Hey there, I'm Andrew Kuman, the host of Things I Said Out Loud, a podcast that celebrates words and is an audio companion to my Substack newsletter, Things I Wrote Down. It's a place where I share original content, articles, and stories. These thoughts from my head and heart land right in your email inbox when you subscribe at andrewkuman.com. Let's jump right in. Tim, thank you for joining Things I Said Out Loud. <laughs> Glad to be here, Andrew. So you're about to tour your one-man show, My Little Plastic Jesus, in Saskatchewan and in Ontario in a few days. How are you feeling? Uh, A lot. Uh, It's a lot. So I'm a little nervous. And it's tricky when when you take on not just like the artistic side of things, but all the logistics of taking it across the country. So so I'm feeling a little under pressure. And I, I think I need to get at least one show. I'm really looking forward to the first show here in Saskatoon to help me feel like I'm back in the groove for. So yeah. Awesome. How do you prepare for the travel and the scale of something like this? <sighs> With lots of help. I learned long ago that you these sorts of endeavors really need a lot of hands and a lot of help. So I'm really grateful both to the fact that I have an artistic director who runs Burnt Thicket Theater that is helping us tour the show and produce the show. Um, and also we're doing this tour in collaboration with the New Leaf Network, uh, which is an organization my wife works for. And they really made a lot of connections because the show that I'm doing is in a unique venue every time. We tour it to people's living rooms primarily. We're doing a f- other, few other venues while we're out there, um, but it requires a lot of like connections to, to people that uh, are direct kind of asks f- from folks. So. Um, that means I got to have lots of, lots of help on the ground, which is humbling and, and very important to this. Yeah. Part of you wishes you had like a background in logistics management or something like that. (laughs) Maybe, except that that doesn't, doesn't really interest me. (laughs) It's, it's one of those things that the, as artists, you got to learn these skills to be able to do the art. Yeah. True. Okay, so before we chat about the show and your life as an artist, I want to ask the impossible to answer questions so that my listeners can get a bit of a gauge of your headspace. Sure. Hopefully your game. Okay. You can't necessarily judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a creative by the content that they're consuming, something like that. So these are what these questions are for. What is a book that you recently read that impacted you and why? Oh, boy. My mind is going to the books I've read recently that are at least adjacent to this show, um, which is not necessarily the most recent. So I'll try to think some other ones. But the two that come to mind uh, off the bat are uh, Jesus and John Wayne uh, by Kristen Kobes Dume, which really traces uh, uh, one aspect of the history of evangelical culture in North America um, that I think is really worth delving into. Um, so if you're looking for an interesting history book, American Evangelicalism, that's one that I think is worth reading. And another one that traces a, a similar history from a different vantage point is Karen Swallow Pryor just released a book called The Evangelical Imagination. Okay, um, yes. I love her writing. Yeah, yeah great, well-written, uh, really confirmed a bunch of stuff that's in my show, like tracing certain um, kind of understandings of what um, elements are present in evangelical culture. So she's working as someone who's uh, works uh, not as a historian, but as someone as a, a literary theorist um, and looking specifically at how Victorian culture mm-hmm. from uh, the mid 19th century has influenced what evangelicalism has become. And again, just unpacking it in a, in a helpful way. So both those books, but you probably think of a book that's not adjacent to that. And one's not coming to my mind. That's what's in my head right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I love prior her work. Um, when I did grads, 
grad school research on William Wilberforce, Hannah Moore, and the abolitionist movement. Yeah. Her book about Hannah Moore was sort of like a doorway for me to walk through to totally. kind of locate myself in that time frame, in that time uh, period. And yeah. yeah, I really respect what she's writing and excited. So thank you for that reminder of that book. Yeah. Okay. You have a night off and you have control of the TV in your home. What show or film do you watch? Uh, right now, like, I mean, I, I, I meet with the nerdy group of, of, of folk who like delving, like delving into like really heady film stuff. And so sure. everything from like, like Japanese film by Kurosawa to, I don't know, whatever else is, is artsy. But, but the reality is, is most of the time I'm watching content just to relax a little bit and laugh. And yeah. so the British, I don't know what you call it, game show, reality show, Taskmaster is is one of my go-tos which you can find on youtube so look up okay like the british the original british taskmaster is a sure. is, a, is a funny show where they okay. like they make uh five comedians like do these ridiculous tasks and compete and it's okay i've heard i've never seen it i've heard about it but yeah. that sounds like a good time and it's like the british show the og is always the one to watch right it's, it's true yeah we gotta go with the original <laughs> that's awesome okay and what's the last performance or event that you experienced that you can say actually rocked your world where was it? Oh. When was it? And why? There might be there might be other ones since this, but but again, I'm going with the first thing off the top of my head, and I think one of the performances that just continues to to resonate with me is there's a, there's a play called um, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot that I saw performed. It was one of the last shows I saw in Vancouver before I moved, so it's this is a while ago actually. <laughs> Um, but it was one of the last shows I saw there before I, I moved from, from Vancouver to Saskatoon. And that show just has, it's so well written and it was, it was done well. And it just, it continues to be this, this haunting image. Um, um, basically the premise of the show is it kind of like you, you see that uh, Judas Iscariot is, someone is trying to defend him. He's in hell and there's this lawyer in pur purgatory trying to make a defense for what Judas did. And it's, it really just does a lovely exploration of, of humanity and grace and, and what that all means for us. So yeah, that, that continues to be something that, that I think about. Hmm. Um, that's a great segue into asking questions about your show. I know they're probably completely different. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, I love getting a glimpse into just like how people enter their creative space. Um, but yeah. first before, um, we talk about my little plastic Jesus, your much loved show that's traveling across Canada. Tell us like, what is living room theater? It's probably a new concept for some people. Um, yeah. it's, it's new. So I mean, yeah. it, maybe it's old and it's new, but like for a lot of people who will be attending, it's going to be a new experience. So what sure. is living room theater? Yeah. yeah. Well, the whole concept for me really emerged out of my experience of doing like house concerts. And some, I think some people are more familiar with that where musician, singer, songwriter like shows up and and plays plays a gig in someone's home rather than in a bar or wherever and i really love that i i have a good number of musician friends and my my good friend and, and pastor daryl uh, regularly hosts house concerts at his place and i'm like this is great there's something about the intimacy of doing a performance in in someone's living room that just engenders a whole different kind of social atmosphere that i love and so I'm like, I, as I thought about the content of this show, which has been stewing in my brain since at least 2009, yeah. um, 
as I thought about where I wanted to have or the kind of space I wanted to share it in, it was like, hey, what if I did it in living rooms? And and it totally made sense. And and that's what I said. OK, I'm just going to basically it's like a house concert, but it's me telling stories, doing theater, showing some some crazy videos in a living room. And in my experience touring it back in 2019 and 2020, when we first mounted this show, it, it really did was a great fit. And it it engendered the kind of conversation that I wanted to see happen. I mean, people don't necessarily linger in a theater afterwards. You kind right. of go and then you and then you leave, and you might have a conversation in in a restaurant after or something, and that's all good. But there's something about being in someone's house that I, I always do these talkbacks after the show, and I really love that atmosphere of people lingering and talking and seeing one another. That just isn't possible in other spaces. That's living room. That's living room theater. That's what my show tries to engender. Yeah, that sounds really lovely. So it's fascinating. So you you um thought of the venue and designed the show around that space. It's not like retrofitted or scaled nope. down into it. No, nope. okay. I'd have to scale it up. And I've, I've thought occasionally about like, well, what if I scaled this up to be in a, a bigger space? I still don't want to think I'd be want to be in a huge like proscenium uh, space. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I just like it in the living room so much. And I've even the biggest space I've ever done it in was my last show in Edmonton before the pandemic shut everything down. Uh, I did it in an art gallery that probably could have fit a hundred people and yeah. it changed, it changed the show. And, and I don't feel like it was bad, but I just felt the shift. Like there was something different in that space, how spread out we were and how big the space was. I'm like, no, I like the intimacy. If like, if I, I love one of my happy spaces is sitting next to a fire and talking and sharing. Right. With I like that intimacy. And it's, you start to lose that once you get much past 30, 40, 50 people and it's not intimate anymore in the same way or is it harder to 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 cultivate that in a performance and you're embodying like a 600 square foot or less space like how how big is yeah. your area so the smallest kind of space i've done is probably my living room which is under 300 square feet okay um, and that's about the smallest space i've done it in and then the the happy space for this show is about 400 square feet with about 30 to 40 people which so it's tight like we've crammed into my friend jared we rammed way too many people into his house and on the one hand it was like it was really squishy but i also i i hope people are getting used to that sort of thing again there's 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 this happiness of being cozied in with everybody hopefully yeah. we can get back to that in the post-pandemic world i loved it it's part of why i was so sad in the pandemic is that m most of the things i love involve like getting people together in these close spaces together and breathing the same air which just was not possible for a while there so do you have any um sort of hilarious or disastrous moments that come in in these sort of like tight quarters or like from a performance standpoint is there is there like yeah. um, is there anything that stands out i i've not had anything catastrophic i'm okay. to say and knock on wood right i will do that right i i just <laughs> i but i do you know occasionally because it's it's this weirdly tech heavy show for a one person oh. thing like i have a ton of video and things that are going on with with what i'm doing and it's just me um occasionally slides get bumped or missed and i just kind of have to improvise around what what's going on and it's fine um so fortunately nothing too too crazy there so far 
Um, I think the most unexpected thing, but it's part of what I like, is just the questions that come in the the talkback period or the stories that emerge in the talkback period. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, okay. So talk about the show. Um, why mm -hmm. this story and why now? Like what can audience expect yeah. when they enter these small spaces in this intimate moment with yeah. oh, the one act show or the one man? Is it yeah. one man, one, one, person, one, man, one me, just me. And it's just me playing me. <laughs> it's not a character. Um, well, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'll answer this in two ways. I'll start with like why I created the show, like why it was important for me. And then I'll talk about why I think it's important now and continues to be important. So the, why I did the show is because um, way back in when I started graduate school out in Vancouver um, and I had just begun dating my now wife, uh, I, I started chatting with some friends at graduate school who who didn't have the same experience as me. Like I had lots of people who came from the same background and I, I tell this the specific story in, in the show, so I won't spoil it. But it was this realization that it's like, oh, not everybody understands the the evangelical pop culture I grew up with. Oh, so let me show you the the music and let me show you some videos and we can laugh and, and have some fun time. But then I kept delving into it more and more and like I should be doing like homework and <laughs> and my soon to be fiance wife was like, why are you spending so much time on that? And I had this moment of like realizing like I teared up a bit and it's like because because this is important. This is an important part of my history and I need to make sense of it. I need to make sense of the way that evangelical popular culture has impacted what I think and how I've needed to unpack that and how I'm continuing to unpack it even here at graduate school. So this work is more important than just let's laugh at some funny old songs I used to listen to. So that's what really birthed the show and it started much more academic and lectury because I was at graduate school. And then as I moved to Saskatoon and just kind of continued to mull it over, I realized it needed to, that personal element. So then I just had to start tying it to my personal stories. Okay, I have to tell the story of how where this sits in my life. And as it became more personal and as I got support from from Brent the Theater, who I, I began working with to, to actually sit down and write all that out as a script, that's how the, the, the show was born. And in terms of why that's important, uh, I, I just think we're in a time where we can uh, feel the impact of some of these elements of evangelical popular culture or things that some things that are unique to it and some some things that are simply manifest within it um and you see that unfortunately i think manifest in the world of politics within the polarization of the current moment that we're in um you can look at it specifically in the way that it's shaping american politics in the current moment um and the way that evangelical is used as an identifier connected to politics more and more in strange ways and yet often the public discourse that i hear around this has very little understanding of the history or of the culture that is that has led to this and that's why i point to to those great books like um jesus and john wayne and and karen swallow Pryor's book um the evangelical imagination because it helps unpack that a bit and i am doing something similar where i'm helping i hope unpack this and make have it make sense for people and that's where i hope it's a show that is helpful to whoever might want to come to the show, whether you're someone who still finds yourself within an evangelical church and you've had some thoughts or maybe you haven't had some thoughts and this is a way to kind of get at some of what's going on and you can have some thoughtful reflection on elements of the culture that we've been a part of. 
Um, I think I've wanted to make sure that it's a safe space for people who have been traumatized and hurt by that culture, who've left the church. So it's been very important for, for me to make it so that people who are in that space feel welcome in the show. Um, and then the reality is, is there's some people who they have no experience with evangelical pop culture. Maybe they just heard about, they hear about evangelicals or they've known a friend or, and it's like, I'm, I just want to invite them in and go, let, let me just tell you some stories. I'll explain this a little bit to you, which is even part of the original impulse that I wanted to explain to one of my friends who just didn't, didn't understand. Um, so hopefully it illuminates a little bit more as I unpack my, my story for people to get some handles for understanding where this stuff comes from and what it means. Yeah. I, I always love hearing about the writing process. Was this, did this, um, as you created this show, was it all on the page or how, what was your creative process like to sort of get it to where it is now? Yeah. That's a, that's can, a sweet question. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a few things. So first of all, because the early iterations of the show were more lecture, I think it was helpful to hear people's response to that. And it was appreciative, but it's part of what pushed me to make me tell the personal stories and the realization that it's like, Oh, okay. No, it's better when it's personal. It's more meaningful when I actually I'm honest and vulnerable about this stuff instead of just kind of pretending I'm aloof from it all. Not sure. that I fully was, but, you know, that was the more the format. Um, I think the other thing in terms of the writing process is I invited a dramaturge to 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 help work with the script. And I, I intentionally picked um, one person to help who had no understanding of evangelical pop culture. It was just not their background. And that was important to me because I wanted the show to make sense. <laughs> Like, I didn't just want it to be an insider's, like, this is a funny thing and a, an examination for insiders. But it's like, if I can make sure that the the show makes sense to to my my friends, so it was Jonna Wright was my dramaturge. And she was very helpful to kind of be like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. Or like, I don't get this. So it, it made me work hard to make the show so that it was accessible. And that I actually was properly kind of giving people the on-ramps to the stories I was telling um so that was another part of it and then you know even now i i've made tweaks between the last run and this because it's been over three years and so it was just kind of a there's some of that was the things that happened in, in history my life and the world's life <laughs> um but some of it was always so was a refining of like oh no i can clarify this point and hopefully make that just a little bit clearer for people to understand the story i'm i'm telling so it's it's i like i i tend to think i forget who said it but that, like that there's there's no finished poems just abandoned ones so especially because it's my show i can i can keep rewriting it as and as i make more discoveries with with people in the room and i like that so yeah now did you slam into the wall of self-censorship given that it's um so personal and that it involves your own history i, I i'm reminded of virginia Woolf's famous yeah. um, advice to young women writers to like uh, kill the angel in the house was there any of that where you had to like silence a voice that oh, yeah. told you you couldn't go there because of the subject matter yeah i i like definitely two sides of that so there's both like like what is i don't know who kill your darlings this is another right. who's forget right. who says that so there was there was some stuff i had to let go that i'm like oh but this is a really cool story but it's like yeah but it's not fitting the narrative that you're trying to tell so there was some of that and then in terms of like going there and being vulnerable yeah i i had to be especially 
I don't know. It's a deft touch when you're talking about your own life. And frankly, like I'm, I also talk about, say, my family. So I have to, I had, anytime I was talking about my family or about um, uh, people that I know, I, I, I was careful to, in some ways, get clearance from people when that was appropriate. Right. <laughs> I didn't ask everybody. And I right. can, in some cases, it's like, this is a matter of public record. I don't need to, <laughs> need to get clearance. But I, I did want to respect and at the same time then make sure I was still being honest. And I, I feel like I was able to do that. So, for example, I talk about my parents, but my parents also saw the show in Edmonton last time I did it. And uh, and that went okay. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I still talk to my mom. We're okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sweet. So tell me a bit about the Q and A's after the performance. I, I love yeah. that as well. After um, yeah. after theater takes place or any performance with an artist, it's a unique opportunity to connect with someone who's creative. Um, also to talk directly about the content. What have those questions been like? Because I know that this is appealing to a wide range of people, not just yeah. uh, maybe faith adjacent or people who go to church. Yeah. Uh, it's a wide range. So what? Yeah, love to know what some of the questions are like. Yeah, I like it's been a range of things and. Some of what I've enjoyed most is when people choose to like voice the connections that they make from their own experience of culture. And some of those are more, more closely adjacent, like people who talk about their experiences within growing within like a Roman Catholic context and like go, oh, this sort of thing. It's not the same, but this is the sorts of things I'm unpacking. Um, I like it when people make those connections in their life and then voice it. And I hear the stories in the room. I do like hearing stories from people who have a similar experience to me and are feel free to, to share those stories. Uh, I've got a, a buddy, Mike, who came to a show that stared, short shared a really funny story about his time as a youth pastor. And whenever we invite more laughter into the room and, and have that kind of openness, I feel that release. I love that. Um, I also do appreciate hard questions. And sometimes that comes from people who are, have left the church and are, are still are with me in that moment, grappling and pushing on the same, some of the same things I'm pushing at. Um, I, I, I try not to be like, I oh, know I will answer the question. Um, I want to engage the question with people when, when those sorts of hard questions come into the room, questions about like, I think of a friend, uh, someone who talked about like, well, shouldn't we just burn it all down? <laughs> like if, if it's this bad, so how do you justify continuing to to be a part of institutions that that do damage? Um, and how do you grapple with that? I don't have a good quick answer for that, but that's not what the, the question and answer time is about. I, I want us to push that around a bit and talk about where things are at. And and I've even seen my own thinking changed on various things as people have engaged me on on various questions. Um, and And I also like, the moments when like understanding happens for folks and they're like, Oh, I get this in a new way. Um, that I didn't, I, I didn't realize that before. Now I'm starting to see, um, yeah. Uh, and I, I hope in it all that it's, it, it ends up being this balance of challenge and safety for people. So people don't feel called out, even if they feel implicated in what's going on. Cause if that, I don't know if that's a fair distinction. Um, yeah, sounds like so it sounds like a really rich time after the show um, yeah. where it's like open people can just kind of come as they are and ask yeah. questions as they emerge and they can love theater they can love the church they cannot love theater they cannot love the church and it's going to be all of that yeah. yeah indeed part the other part and i didn't say this about living rooms but 
I, I know a lot of people don't like going to like <laughs> why living rooms and and not church i i am i am admittedly going to perform in one church on this tour but i've avoided it yeah because i realized that the church and theater for maybe different and maybe similar reasons sometimes people there are pe things people just won't go it just doesn't feel like a good space it doesn't that's not a place of comfort for them and whereas a living room kind of is a bit of a a good invites a different cross-section of people people who don't necessarily go to theater and people who don't necessarily feel like they would go to a church um so that's another reason why i like that space for sure okay okay i'm going to do a big left turn before i ask you about sure. people who get tickets yeah <laughs> the last question because a lot of my uh, followers they we talk about creativity and faith and the collision yeah. um, but i love like encouraging people with like um nurturing just their creative practice or their faith practice mm -hmm. i'm interested to know from you what are some rhythms or practices that you institute in your own journey that nurture mm -hmm. either creativity or faith or both yeah I'll, i can talk about those in the same breath in some ways so um part of one of the best things that I did for my acting and writing was to go and get a graduate degree in theology. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what everyone should do. Um, but the reason was is because it opened up this, this avenue of engagement for me that wasn't specifically necessarily connected to my art. Like I did, I did end up writing a, a dissertation that was essentially a, a, a full-length stage play because that was something I could do at, at Regent College. But but some of the most beneficials from that things from that time for my for my artistic self were just the deep thought and exploration. Um, and that's not to say everybody should do academic work, but there's got we all have to find ways to fill the well that aren't just focused on the the craft which we we give ourselves to. So I encourage all artists to kind of get outside of whatever bubble they're in and like, what is the thing you're going to do that helps fill the well so that you have resources to draw on for what the work it is that you, you do. Um, we all should do the hard work of cultivating our craft. And I, I think most of us, I, I feel this most very strongly in theater. I'm sure it's slightly different depending on the, the art form you're doing, but we all feel embedded in communities, hopefully, that are committed to that same craft. But I think we need to find ways to fill our, our well that reach outside of that. And so that can that can even be like, that could be any number engaging in any number of practices. For me, that like, again, that in for me, academic engagement, reading books like the ones I shared um, has been part of that for me. And so I see I've been able to find a way in which the the kind of deep theological engagement that I do whether it's listening to various theologians reading various books having conversations with my friends who are engaged in the same sort of thing it, it all ends up feeding my my understanding of the human experience that then informs what I do as a writer and as an actor and I know I'm better because of that so don't know if that fully answers the yeah, question. No, I love that. I think that's sage advice. That's so great. Okay, so you're about to hit the road. You're going to be in Saskatchewan and in yeah. Ontario all in the month of October. Um, yeah. Where can people find more about you and where could they get tickets to yeah. show? So if you go to one of two places, so if you go to burntthicket.com, um, that's the the uh, theater, the, the website for the theater company that I'm a part of and that is producing this show. 
Uh, and then you can click on links there to My Little Plastic Jesus tickets, buy tickets here. Uh, or you could go to mylittleplasticjesus.com and that'll take you right to the ticketing site um, where you can buy tickets. And you just scroll down and we're in a whole bunch of locations there in Southern Ontario. I think the furthest east we get is Kingston and the furthest west we get is Sarnia every, and almost all the places in between there. So Amazing. Well, and I'm so excited to invite you into my living room. And so if you're in the London yeah. area, I'll also do a direct link to tickets for that show, which yeah. is October 14th, the matinee. Um, but otherwise, I'll put the, all the links in the show notes and people can get them. And yes, thank you so much, Tim, for just joining today and wish you all the best as you hit the road, break a leg and um, bring your little plastic Jesus yeah. living rooms in Canada. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into Things I Said Aloud. If you haven't yet, make sure you jump over to andrewkuman.com and subscribe to my newsletter. That way, you'll get original content and encouragement delivered right to your inbox. I like to write on themes of creativity, faith, and how those collide in the real world. Make sure you also visit Unveil's newsletter, where you can geek out with my brothers Matthew and Daniel Kuman and I as we share our filmmaking journey and our new adventure as we grow our streaming service, unveiltv.com. You can always find the links in my show notes below. Thanks again. I'm so grateful that you shared part of your day with me. Now, go find some time to get lost in words. <laughs>